Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, and appreciate everybody for tuning in today. It's been a nice, warmer week here in Columbus. The snow has finally melted, which uh, for me is is a great uh, great day. I'm really not a big fan of snow. I think we probably get enough of it in uh, about a day or two, and then I'm, I'm pretty much done. But, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets won recently, finally breaking their losing streak, so we're happy about that. You know, I think that uh, we're, we're heading in the right direction. So our, our guest today on the show, Eric Jankuski, he's the CEO and co-founder of Matrix Meats, and they do some pretty cool stuff. I mean, they design nanofiber scaffolds, which you'll find out more about what that means later, but it's used for growing meat. And, uh, you know, that, that process is always pretty interesting to me. I'm a biology major, so I kind of wanted to learn a little more about what that was like. But Eric's also a serial entrepreneur. He's done a lot of things in his life. I think he's a great founder and a great person to learn from. So as usual, we hope you enjoy this episode and we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. In hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Oldman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24 Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast and uh, I am as always your co-host Mike and we've got uh, everybody in the booth again today and it's been a theme for the past few weeks. It's exciting to have everybody here but Tim, Josh, how you guys doing? Doing good, dude. Full attendance feels feels good. Tim said he almost got hit by an automobile this morning. I'm interested in hearing more about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am now curious too though. Would you rather be hit by a vehicle or a fist? That was a no, but so uh, I, I got hit the other day. I was well, not me, my vehicle was hit when I was mm-hmm. parking. And I've been going through this whole, you know, get your car fixed, which is a huge pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And I've been driving, I have a car that I drive in the wintertime. I've been driving that car because it's been winter, so it worked out, whatever. Driving down the road today, somebody takes from the left turn lane, decides as I'm going 35 miles an hour straight, they're like, oh no, I no longer want to turn left. So I'm going to cut across this one to turn right. And I'm assuming the roads were not great, not great. (laughs) And to make it, so it's the, it's the German village Kroger. I'm like pulling down that, that road. And Mm -hmm. so to make things better, there's like three or four people standing on the corner. Oh, so you can't, there's no option of going. Yeah. So I slam on the brakes and all four people watching, like they see it's about to happen. (laughs) I see it's about to happen and we're, and I'm locked up. We're sliding. The car's just turning, just oblivious to anything going on. Somehow, I'm like, you know when you have time during like a stressful moment, you're like, oh shit, what's happening? You react and then you have time to be like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this car. Mm-hmm. Like, damn it, this is annoying. Like I, all that went through my head. I come to a stop literally like inches from their vehicle, which I'm driving a huge van with, and they're driving this little, I was gonna annihilate mm-hmm. their car. And then they just sit there and I'm like, what the hell, what are you doing? And then they just inch off and just take off into the parking lot. 
So I feel like we could create a whole podcast, just us interviewing Tim about his day. Oh. And I think it would be good, but that is not this podcast. <laughs> so why don't we introduce our guest uh, today on the show? The story has an happy ending though. I didn't, right. I didn't get hit. Didn't no get one was hit. hurt. Was I made it. Yeah, whatever. So. so I just wanted to get that off my chest. I was really frustrated. I held it in all day. Good job. Sorry to Good job, steal your life. All right. with this. Now, now we can introduce our guest and it is Eric Jankuski. And Eric is the CEO and founder, co-founder of Matrix Meats. And Matrix Meats designs and manufactures novel three-dimensional nanofiber scaffolds for the culturing of meat in cellular agriculture. And I promise we'll tell you guys what that is eventually. But uh, he's also a serial entrepreneur, having founded several other companies. And currently, he also serves as a co-founder at TJ Clark International, which focuses on the manufacture of base camp support equipment. And we're excited to talk with Eric and learn more about his story, figure out what the heck 3D nanofiber scaffolds really are. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. And you seem like you've, you're kind of a busy guy. You've done a lot over kind of the course of your career. Um, typically, where we first like to start is just get a little background on how we got to where we are today. So maybe taking a step back and as far back as you feel makes sense, but kind of the highlights along your life and career that got you here. Yeah, absolutely. I spent the last 28 years uh, up until just about a year ago when when this matrix uh, working, and I still work in the defense, uh, homeland security space, and was blessed with being able to travel all over the world because of that. Actually worked in 42 different countries <laughs> over the course of those, those, those 28 years. Uh, I do have uh, with my other company, I have an office in Bogota, Colombia, and I have an office in Djibouti, Africa, uh, which is in the the Horn of Africa on the on the on the east side of of the continent. You can only assume those are WeWork offices. Uh, no, actually, the WeWork office is in Bogota. You are correct. Well, I was totally being sarcastic. <laughs> I would have never yes, assumed. No, no, you're you're, you're spot on. The, the office is amazing. Does fantastic bar? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Does, super. I'm probably just ignorant to, to to anything you know like that. That's an international traveling. But I just assume when I hear them, like, there's no way that people make that a common office space. I, I think more companies were, especially now, where with the pandemic, we've realized that people will actually work remote. <laughs> and they'll actually get their work done, mm-hmm. that you're going to see more of it. I was actually, one of the reasons why I was a couple minutes late is I was speaking to my country manager down there, and she was telling me that a, a number of her friends from university all have gotten U.S. jobs, except in Bogota, and, and they're paying them, you know, 40, 50 grand a year, but they would be paying that same job here in, say, Columbus, 110 120 to do the same exact work, same degree, et cetera. So in Colombia, if you're making $50,000 a year, you're a one, you know, you're almost approaching being a one percenter. Mm-hmm. So pretty crazy. But in Djibouti, we're actually, we actually share an office. Uh, we have a relationship with uh, the national airline, Air Djibouti. So we, we share office space. That's a red name. <laughs> Air Djibouti. Air Djibouti. Djibouti, Djibouti. That's in the- Djibouti, wherever it needs to go. <laughs> that, that website had to have been taken. The URL had to have been set yeah. up years ago. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. 
So where were you born and raised? I feel like you gave us your whole life story in like an elevator pitch, but I'm having trouble unpackaging it. So maybe we start a little bit for the back. Are you, are you from Djibouti? Are you from? No, no, I'm originally from, from Queens, New York, actually, but Queens, huh? That was going to be my third guess. Queens. But (laughs) I I grew up in upstate New York in the Catskills. I wound up here in Columbus because uh, I went to Ohio State and my cousins lived in Worthington and and we were the same age group, so I'd come out and visit them in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one summer between my freshman and sophomore year in college, I was out visiting my my cousin and hanging out with her boyfriend on campus. And I was like, I got to go to school here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I, tra- so, I, so I transferred. <laughs> and what did you study in, in college? Uh, business. So you finish up in business, and then where do yeah. you go directly from there? Uh, I moved back to New York and, and started my pretty much started my career. I worked the first 13 years for a company that was doing defense and had a portion of it doing food related. So that's how I got a little exposure into the into the food processing. Uh, you know, did work for Kraft and Anheuser-Busch and beaching up baby food. But my primary focus was was defense related and and this equipment for what we call expeditionary operations. So, and, and to the extent that you can talk about it, when you say they did work and, and you did work, what are the details on that? Were they, were they doing, making the equipment? Yes, manufacturing the equipment, doing the training, deployment of it, et cetera. And you were in charge of the business development side or? At first I was actually in production and then doing production coordination and, and, ma- and man- manufacturing management. And then I moved to more business development after that. So 13 years, and then where do you jump after there, and why do you why do you make a move? I got recruited. <laughs> Isn't that what always happens? And I just kept getting recruited by larger and different companies and moved around. So at one point, I, I was working for a publicly traded British defense company, and I was their director of sales for Latin America. And so that was a, that's where I got a lot of my, you know, I picked up, I don't know, 16, 17 countries on that. <laughs> You know, hmm. on that for that gig, uh, doing everything Mexico South and the Caribbean. I also had the Caribbean. Sounds like not a bad gig. No, it wasn't. I mean, I got to take the you know take the family to Barbados and mm-hmm. places like that when there was conferences. So that always pays off. And and of course, depending on the company, you can rack up some serious uh, frequent flyer miles and and hotel you know hotel uh, points. So you can utilize those you know utilize those for a family. You know, some companies take them back, but my company didn't care. They, they let us keep them. So that was good. And then I just always been a person that, you know, when I'm going to these different places, I, I was a believer from, from day one in the importance of networking and networking is the key to success and maintaining relationships and building relationships with people. I was just having a, a talk with the, with the guys at, at Matrix that I want us to be a company that not just provides scaffolds, but when one of our customers has a problem, they say, call the guys at Matrix. Those guys just always seem to have the answer. We want to be that kind of, so that I've always tried to be, you know, what we say in New York, I got a guy, you know, when mm-hmm. you ask for, you know, for say, something your, your like, don't worry, I got a, yeah, I got a guy, you know. Yeah, so. don't worry about it, I got a guy. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can handle it. What, you need bagels? I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, that's the approach that I've always tried to be. I try, always try to be a resource and always working to try to help my customers or whoever I'm partnering with to get you know, to achieve their goal. Because by helping them achieve their goal, I achieve mine. So that's the way I've always looked at it. So I guess I'm curious, how, how in all this, how do you get the itch to do your own thing? When I was at Ohio State as a student, I saw this ad in the Lantern 
And I said it was, and it was like this company called like, you know, fulfillment subscription services. And I'm reading this ad. I go, I go, what is this? And I said, they're looking for a rep, you know, for Ohio state. So I answer it. Turns out it's the New York times. I didn't know it's their, it's their company, wholly owned company that manages all the subscriptions for the New York times. And they said, yeah, we want a student ambassador, if you will, that's going to go around and go to the professor's, try to talk the professors into utilizing the New York Times in their class, like in economics or, or political science, and then all the students have to get a subscription. If you had a subscription for, for the New York Times and you were at Ohio State, you had to get it from me. Hmm. And, and I, I got a slice of every one of those subscriptions. So I was always entrepreneurial, and that was my, my first endeavor. When everybody else was going to Florida for spring break, I went to Europe backpacking. You know, I, I mean, that's that's the kind of money I was able to make mm-hmm. back then just on the New York Times. So it was pretty uh, it was pretty cool. And I set it up where uh, my fraternity brothers, I I got I got gave them different routes for their first class of the day. I'd pay them five bucks a day to deliver the paper. And they were just walking to class, dropping it off at different buildings. And, you know, that's 25 bucks beer money back then. It was good money. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So where do you go from the, you know, from the job in Mexico and with the British, with the British company, where, what comes next? So when I was at that company, I helped a... A smaller company win a hundred million dollar contract with the uh, United States Marine Corps. So the w- way a lot of the contracts are working nowadays is that they'll put a a, a bid out, mm-hmm. and 15, 20 companies will bid on it, and then they down select to you know three or six companies, and that gives you a ticket to the dance. And then once you're awarded the contract, they issue task orders. And then those six companies have so many days, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours to respond to these task orders. And then and then the government picks a winner out of of just those six companies Mm -hmm. for each one of the task orders over the life of the contract. So I helped this company that was in West Virginia win this contract. But what I didn't know is that they were owned by a micro PE firm up in Cleveland. And then the Cleveland guys found out that I lived in Columbus, but was, you know, traveling all over the world from Columbus. And, and they, they asked me to come on board and to be the GM and director of business development for the company. So I was commuting from Columbus back and forth to Parkersburg, West Virginia. Then after doing that for a, a couple of years, I decided that I wasn't getting any younger you know, all these years I was making all these other people a lot of money mm-hmm. and, you know, building these relationships and nurturing the relationships. So I decided to push the chips to the center of the table and and go all in and started TJ Clark. And then from there I started, I actually have a, a little media company in Bogota called Mercado Militar, and that's a military market, mm-hmm. but it's a business, uh, it's a news website for the military and police for Latin America. Yeah. So I started that company and then I actually ran into a, a buddy that was with the Ecove Startup Nursery. And they they were looking for somebody at the time that had some military background 
to help sit in on meetings to make decisions about whether or not to make an investment in a particular technology because it had a dual use between commercial and military. And then the next thing you know, I'm talking to Dr. Robert Lee there, and he says, hey, we're, we're thinking about getting into this into this cultivated, cultured meat. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. I have no idea what, what you are talking about. He says, oh, you know, we'll take a look and, you know, take a look at it. You know, we, you know, we think this would be a good, a good project for you. I was like, yeah, but I already have a job, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but I looked into it and, and I said to myself, it's not every day you can get involved in something. I mean, uh, Ecove has a, has a, a, mo- a motto or a policy, you know, where where their why is uh, identifying technologies that deserve to be shared with the world. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, it's not every day that you get asked to launch something that literally has the opportunity to positively affect change with every single person on the planet between climate change and animal rights, uh, et cetera. So I said, yeah, I want to get involved in this. I, I want to get so. From there, I got to go to Maastricht, Netherlands, which for the, you know, scientific conference on cultured meat. I mean, who even thought, you know, they had such a thing. But what was really cool about it is I get there and I start meeting people and I'm like, wow, everybody's like really, really nice. You know, very collegial, very friendly, very welcoming. When you're in defense, it's all, you know, macho type A, you know, punch, you know, talking about getting punched in the face, you know, punch in the face, uh, backstabbing, all of this, uh, all of these things. And it was like just really nice to be around people who were polite and (laughs) (laughs) and and were really all collectively working toward a toward a common goal for for the greater good. So I said, yeah, I I really want to get involved in this. That makes a lot of sense. And so. Cultured meat, that's literally we're growing, growing meat, right? Like it's growing it from cell fibers or cell, like you would take like a, a culture from- Biopsy. A biopsy, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. A biopsy from say a cow, and then you would grow the meat rather than having to kill the cow and get the meat that way. Correct. Okay. You, you just, is this over? Can I- That's it, we're done. <laughs> I, it. I knew you, it. You, you just explained everything. So why do you need Why do you need a 3D nanofiber scaffold for that? Why can't I just literally put it in a jar and say, grow? That's a great question. I get it all the time. So what we do is, the reason why it's three-dimensional is when, if you've ever been in Las Vegas or, or several other cities that have that human body exhibit, you ever see that? And when you pull off all of the cells, if you've noticed in that exhibit, there's this almost uh, like cheesecloth-like material. Well, that's the extracell- fibrous extracellular matrix that exists in every living organism. Our What we do is we replicate that extracellular matrix. Matrix meets there. We're actually material engineers, not biologists or scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, we're scientists, but not bio- but we're not biologists doing the actual cultivating of the meat. Right. So we provide this scaffold to the different cultivated meat companies who then seed it with the cells that they took from the biopsy. And those cells utilize that scaffold for, think of a, a lattice on your a chimney on your house and then you grow vines and the vines grow up the lattice. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening with our scaffolds. The cells start to grow, proliferate, adhese, and, and they grow along the alignment of the scaffold. Right. So then- in the end, instead of getting like a blob, I get like a nice. You get a structure. Steak. Yeah, you get a right. structure. You get a structured muscle. 
Okay. So that's the, that's you, the whole Do you get premise. pushback from the vegan pita? You know, is this, is this a, a better alternative or is this something they still say? No, ve- the, the vegan, vegan folks, uh, many vegans, and I'll probably, you know, we'll probably get all kinds of comments on Here your we go, website. Yeah. We, Here we, we mentioned vegans and now just I mean, you got to add. You know, most, most they, they're going to hear it and they're just going to come in storms. No, we love vegans. Vegans are quite frankly, one of the reasons why we're doing what we're, what we're doing. And a number of the vegans that I sp- have spoken to are vegans because of the principle of not wanting to injure animals to obtain their protein. So once there is an ethically and sustainable source for that protein and an animal is not being injured in the development of that protein, then I know a number of vegans that said that they would start eating meat. It's not necessarily for health reasons or it's out of moral principle right. they're, that they're a vegan. Now, there are vegans that are vegans because, because of the health lifestyle. They like, they like the way they feel eating. Mm-hmm eating, you know, vegan, but a number of the vegans that I've spoken to that are very supportive of the overall overarching alternative protein. Mm -hmm. And in the alternative protein world, there's, there's the overall alternative protein and there's two sides. There's the plant-based side, which is the impossible burgers and the beyond meats that you see now in the supermarket. And then on the other side is the cultivated meat, which is the side that we're on. Right. And I mean, as long as in my mind, right, as long as it tastes the same, there's no health negatives with cultured meat, right? Like it's all same, right? There's no reason that you wouldn't want rather eat cultured meat than, you know, eat something that you had to kill a cow for. Like if, I mean, I don't want to get into the morals of eating animals, but you know, I'd rather the cow not die if it didn't have to. Right. And, that, and that's the, that's the main, that's one of the main motivators of this industry mm-hmm. is to, is to eliminate that and to eliminate the need. Cause right now, quite frankly, the, the main reason why there's deforestation in, in the Amazon is for cattle grazing. It's not for any other reason. It's just to graze cattle. And I've said this in other conversations that I've had that uh, sooner or later, you know, like the Cattlemen's Association is going to come for me. But if you look at, at the process of raising a cow, you know, a calf to a cow, the whole process is, is so incredibly inefficient. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, I mean, if you look at it strictly from economic standpoint, it's right. like, I don't understand how these companies are still in business. You know, how this is all, how this all still makes sense. And a lot of water, a lot of food, a lot of space, a lot of like en- enormous amounts of resources are, are utilized to get a single chicken breast. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't set over at Fisher College of Business in, you know, in the business builders and, and think, Whoa, this is a great business model. Right. <laughs> you know, you're not going to do that. But somehow, uh, I, I think what's happened is it just, it was the way we were doing things as humans and it just kind of stuck. And yeah, of course there's been, there's been improvements. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a Netflix, the, uh, the show explain that's on Netflix. And there is an episode of about alternative protein and cultivated meat. Second half of the show is a number of the companies that, you know, that we're working with. But you see, like the way a chicken looked in 1930s, and the way ch- the chickens look now, and it's like you know uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger standing next to each <laughs> other. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, right? Like I think that industries like this lead to 
big changes, not just in that industry, but in other areas. And I'm wondering in my head, the first thought I had is like, okay, we're growing meat. We're using these matrices. Like eventually couldn't these same matrices be used to grow organs or to grow something along those lines, like for, for humans, right? Like that would help us, you know, and help someone maybe like, could you grow, I don't know, a lung using one of these matrices, but I'm guessing it's probably doesn't work that way. Actually it's, that's already happened. And now we're utilizing that technology from regenerative medicine and, okay. and biomedicine. So it started in medicine first. It started so in I medicine got it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you were on the right track just to fix up the timeline a little right, bit. Right, right. Chicken and the egg. It's, yeah. you know. <laughs> exactly. So now we utilize that same technology. That's actually where our technology was born, born from. Uh, you know, Matrix Meats, as I started to allude to earlier, is a joint venture between Nanofiber Solutions, which is a you know company over in Dublin, and, and the Ecove Startup Nursery, and they they formed a joint venture to be able to commercialize this scaffold technology across several markets. And so the first five companies that came out of that were all biomedical. So there's mm. two, F, two companies that have FDA-approved products for, for chronic wound care, for like, say, diabetics. Another one is rotator cuff repair. It's almost the same scaffold that allows your muscle to readhese to your bone. So that technology is there, but but there is, if you Google, you can find the, that, you know, where they've grown ears on the back of, you know, human ear on the back of a mouse and, you know, that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, that's wild. So how, how is the culture meat industry doing though? I don't believe I've ever had culture meat. I, I might've, I don't honestly know. I'll eat anything no. with enough ranch on it. So I have no idea if I've had one, but I don't think I have. Is it growing? Is it big? So as of right now, there is no, there's only one place in the world where you can purchase cultured meat, and that's in Singapore at a single restaurant. So a company called Just has a division called Good, and they they just got permission from the Singaporean government to be able to sell cultured chicken nuggets in, in a single restaurant. But if you're in Kroger, you'll see in the egg section, there's a bottle that says Just, it's yellow. And that's plant-based eggs. It's not, it's, it's eggs, not from a chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so if you're looking to make scrambled eggs in a, a, you know, in a a jiffy, it's, it's liquid eggs. Uh, But if you cook it up, it looks exactly, tastes like eggs, looks like eggs. (laughs) It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that's the only place right now in the world that you can actually go to a restaurant and order off the menu cultivated meat. Can't buy it in the supermarket yet anywhere. The U.S. government, uh, USDA and FDA have not passed the regulations to govern it, but there's an enormous amount of capital that's flowing into cultivated meat. There's about 81 companies on the planet that are doing cultivated meat, and we're working right now with 18 of them. Hmm. And we're doing everything from beef to chicken to pork, insects, crustaceans, fish, and milk. And have you tried all of these? I've not. I've not because of the pandemic. Can't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> Are you willing though? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I eat our scaffolds. Uh, like one of our scaffolds is uh, is made from zane, which is corn protein. So it's it's just like eating, you know, like a mm-hmm. corn chip. Right. Hey, everybody. We're gonna take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. 
Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. So what about the the biopsy side? And like, uh, again, I don't know a whole lot about the science behind this, but let's say that you you take that cellular structure from an organism that is already kind of predisposed to something negative, like whether it's, I don't even know how I, how I can describe this, but it's like not a perfect type of cell. And then you continue to cultivate something like that and replicate it. So like the things that would make people sick from meat normally, can you, is that is that going to happen on the cultured side? Does this question make sense or am I just... No, I, I, I think I know where you're going with it and I, I can help explain. So one of the other benefits, one of the other uh, names that people have given the industry is clean meat versus, you know, cult, cultured meat or cultivated meat. They mm -hmm. call it clean meat. And what that means is that one of the reasons why we have uh, foodborne illnesses such as salmonella, um, uh, listeria, et cetera, is that you have cross-contamination in the slaughtering process of blood, urine, feces, et cetera. And that's where those pathogens are introduced into the food, so, you know, into our, our food system. It's not from the actual meat itself necessarily. So when you're doing, when you're developing cultivated meat, all of that's eliminated. You don't you don't have a slaughtering process because because it's you're just growing mm -hmm. that singular piece of meat and it's in a controlled environment in a controlled bioreactor that's at the correct temperatures etc. So you don't have any of those concerns. So that that definitely hit part of it. The other part I think that I'm trying to that I might be able to say in a better uh, more articulate fashion is you have steroided out type meat now. You know you talked about the two different types of chickens and everything. Are you take are they taking the cells from one of those, you know, steroided out chickens and then growing that? Or am I just completely ignorant on the entire process? So you're asking, you're asking if like, if you took a cell from a steroided chicken, would it still have steroids in it when you grew it? Are we call, are we culturing the crappy stuff or the good stuff? No, only the good stuff. Only there the good go. stuff. Well, and, how, and, how do but, they do but that? But either you know? way, either way, right? Steroids are just a hormone that causes the the animal to grow like more fat, right? Like there are hormones that will trigger receptors in your body to, okay, I need to grow fat. But if you cultured the cell, right, it, you can't, it wouldn't make more of the hormone. Yeah, well, I, I get what steroids do. But what I'm trying to say is like, <laughs> I let's say that some people believe that cancer is caused through all of the things that we're doing to our meat, not necessarily through processed foods, but let's just say that they, that's one of the reasons they don't want to eat meat. I've heard that argument before. So- what I would be worried about is, okay, if I'm going to go to clean meat or cultured meat, am I going to get culture from that same meat that I'm already worried about eating? I think the answer is no. So each of the companies that are out there are, are selectively choosing the animals that they're taking the biopsy from. And, you know, those animals are being checked by the vets and, you know, they're running all the tests, but it opens up some interesting you know, some interesting possibilities, such as say you go to Roots Chris or Hyde Park and and you have that, you know, that you have that one amazing steak, right? Well, that steak comes from only one animal. But if you took a biopsy of that animal and you can continue to replicate that same steak over and over, and this is not 
This isn't cloning. Mm -hmm. And it's not genetically modifying either. It's actually the same cells just being grown over and over and over, which because you're only growing a piece of it versus the whole animal, it's not cloning. You could then offer that same steak over and over that everybody raves about, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool potential implications. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, not cloning, but kind of like yeah, I guess on <laughs> a technicality, it's cloning, but it's it's really growing because they're only growing those protein cells that you know that that muscle. I guess it's really not, but I don't know. I'll leave that up to. I I, I always joke all the time. You know, we did our whole raise uh, during the pandemic all on Zoom. And I always joke, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I only play one on Zoom calls, you know, so. Right, right. <laughs> now, you brought up the raise. I mean, you guys just, just finished up a seed fund round, yeah, right? Yeah, seed, yep, seed And stage. so, I guess, what do you, you said you're already with 18 of 81 companies, right? Mm -hmm. So, it seems 18 like. 18 or 81, you said both numbers 18 backwards. of 81. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Now it's clear. What does that mean? That's I correct. thought you were just saying numbers in whatever order you wanted. Uh, I said 18 as fast of, as you wanted to. 18 of 81 18 companies. 18 of 81, that makes sense. So limited growth availability there. What are you guys hoping to do with the seed funding? What's that going to go towards? We're building out our scientific and business operations and then manufacturing teams. Uh, the, the business is, is, even though there's only currently 81 companies doing it, the actual business opportunity is massive. If you look mm -hmm. at, if you utilize... Uh, even Beyond Meat or Impossible Burger as a as a potential benchmark uh, that you want to attempt to replicate, the business is massive. Mm -hmm. It's it's just unbelievable. But it all hinges on that FDA support, right? Like yeah, the FDA and the USDA, uh, the the leading cultivators. So the good news, the good news for us is because we're an ingredient. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're not the ones that have to necessarily be concerned yet right. with all of that. It's the person that's actually the company like Memphis Meats or or uh, Mission Barns that you know who are going to actually sell the meat in the, into the supermarket and into restaurants. I see it going into restaurants, high end restaurants first, and then and then it will hit you know the the gourmet market places, and then it will hit the the mainstream mm -hmm. supermarkets. But even if you look at you know, you walk in Kroger or Giant Eagle or Meyer, you see, you see how large their their plant based product section has grown in just the last several years, and they have all these competing products, you know, with Beyond and with uh, Morningstar and uh, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I was telling was telling some folks the other day that I mean, Ohio is becoming. You have us. You have Good Catch, which is over in Heath. Mm -hmm. They're doing a plant based fish. Uh, soy, you know, soy-based fish, and then you have Morning Stars in Zanesville. So it's like Ohio's becoming a, a hotbed of alternative protein. We love our food, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza. I don't or think anything. so. I'm a little jealous. We love Hybeck. I mean, I go there all the yep. time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's man, what I was going to say. Is, as soon oh. as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best. We're talking about the restaurant, but Hybeck's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently. And I really liked this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine. And it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. 
you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, their story behind the organization is great too. So yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the Whiskey Society too, which I joined. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee. And then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events right now. They're on Zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure. So if you guys like High Bank, if you're looking for a restaurant somewhere to watch the game, if you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I All promise right. you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. So what, what are your goals for the future then? Other than expanding and trying to get as many, you know, as much business as you can, what are your goals for the future at, at uh, Matrix Meats? The goal is to, is to get our product into the hands of it. We view ourselves as an enabling technology for mm -hmm. the entire industry. So whatever companies, you do not need a scaffold to produce cultivated meat, but if you want to have a structured piece of meat, it's one of the ways, it's one of the technologies you would utilize to do that. So our goal is to work with however many companies that want to work with us out there. We see that this is going to be just like the regular or, or slaughtered meat business, that new companies are going to come along all the time. People are going to try to be innovating products. So our R&D team will always have something to do. But our main goal is to be a large-scale manufacturer of scaffolds for, for the protein, alternative protein market. And I see, you know, I see uh, one of the large companies that are in the, perhaps the ingredient space, like an ADM or a Cargill or or even a Kraft Heinz, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that has a large meat portfolio uh, stepping in and, and then wanting to acquire us here for too long. Mm -hmm. Then what about personally? Like, do you have any personal goals outside of outside of Matrix Meats? And I know that wasn't on the outline, so I'm throwing it at you. Yeah, no worries. I don't think half these questions are on the outline. No, no, you, did you hear the 35-minute question that I asked a little bit ago? That <laughs> yeah, yeah. No sense. We didn't, surprisingly, we did not write that one out yeah, and send it to you yeah. at a time. No, I appreciate that though. Yeah, I do too. I appreciate you showing up. <laughs> but we, uh, I mean, per personally, I, I have some other, you know, goals. There's some philanthropy that I would like to do. There's, uh, um, I, I personally, I have, a, I have a biracial family. So uh, some of the things that have happened in the last year are very personal, you know, to me and my family. And I, there are things that I'd like to see uh, you know, I'd like to help work on here in Columbus, in the Columbus metro area. Uh, we're, we are, as an organization, are, are really trying to be focused on, on being an inclusive and diverse organization. I think that diversity, uh, I just told a gentleman the other day that I said, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is like, you know, I look around the room, there's, you know, we, so we have too many white guys, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that, we don't make the best decisions because we don't understand all of the different types of experiences that people have in life and how those experiences affect their decision-making as consumers, as an example. So without having that sitting at your table, when you're making business decisions, it becomes difficult to make the right decision because we're all, you know, you know, when you have six guys that all think the same. It's, it's not right. Yeah. It's not, it's not good in the long run for me. An echo I, chamber. And, I, and I, I try to be exactly your echo chamber. I, I try to be cognizant of that and always seek those outside. You know, for me personally, I, 
I'm probably never going to stop doing new businesses. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, it's my, I, I don't have any hobbies. I mean, business is my hobby. I don't, uh, I do like to travel, obviously. Yeah, that got taken away a little bit. Yeah. Last so, year. But, going crazy. But I don't play softball. I don't play golf. I don't fish. You know, I don't boat. I like to run and I like to hike and I, I do like to camp. So I do a lot, of, you know, we do a lot of camping. But, um, and, if, and of course, with the pandemic, that became, you, you know, the way to get away for the weekend. And Ohio has great state parks. But I I think that, and I was happy to see that the governor, you know, was trying to reach out to folks. I saw the billboard in New York. I don't know if you saw that billboard in New York now that the Ohio put up. Said, oh, I did see that. You have tall buildings, but we have low taxes. Move to yeah, Ohio. That's <laughs> funny. I was curious about that. That made me feel a little, little confused. Not confused, but unsure of it. You know, I was like, what, what message are we sending here? Right. Because like Columbus isn't like, it's not like Columbus, Cleveland, or Cincinnati are like small cities. Like yeah. they're some of the top 15 cities in the like in terms of population. Like, mm-hmm. but never mind. 14th largest. I tried to talk one of the uh, new companies that, one of the founders was living here in Ohio and I tried to talk him into not moving to the Bay Area. I was like, why do you want to move to the Bay Area and have a burn that's five times, you know, a monthly burn that's five times what it would be being based here in Columbus? Mm -hmm. I said, the talent exists here. It's a great city. You know, if you want to be in Miami for the weekend, it's a three hour flight. You know, you can be in Miami and go hang out for the weekend. Uh, you want to be in Toronto, it's an hour. You want to be in New York, it's an hour and 15 minutes. You know, it's not It's not like it's It's right. like, uh, you know, 12-hour flight to do anything here. So I try to keep, tell, you know, talking people. Like when we started TJ Clark, one of the things, one of the policies we implemented was a Buy Ohio First policy. And on, on our pump trailers, as an example of the, of the 36 major components, I think, believe 25 or 28 of them are, are we buy from Ohio vendors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm all about, you know, keeping the business in the family, so to speak, and, and, and supporting, I mean, this is where we all live and work. And I also tell people that at least, you know, living here, I also get to go to my Buckeye games in the fall. So yep. well, hopefully this year. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. They just announced this week that they're getting ready to allow like a thousand people back to, I'm a season ticket. Well, I was a season ticket holder and then, you know, the season with the jackets, I actually called my guy today. Hasn't called me back. So, Hey, Evan, if you hear this, can we call back? <laughs> but they said they're going to start allowing people back in the stadium with caution and stuff like that. So I'm curious how with the, with the curfew ending today, how that's going to look. Well, if there's potential for humans to screw it up, we will at oh, least yeah. for a little bit, but we'll Absolutely. get it back. We're good at that. We're real good at that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think tonight might set a record for DUIs. Because today the curfew ends, you think people are going to just be out? Oh my God. Yeah. We'll see. We'll I see. I think it's going to be like when you let out, yeah, the kids out of timeout or whatever. The thing you actually, use. so seriously, on a serious note, I cannot wait until I can just walk into a bar and order a drink and not have to like plan ahead and find a reservation and figure out like, but I think we're a long ways away from that. Yeah. They're going to be open late till tonight though. Everything's open till near two, two thirty or whatever. I will be at home watching the jackets on TV, not getting hit by cars. <laughs> Look at that full circle. Little call there back. you go. We made it so all the, the way real, back. This is like where we like to wrap things up, as Mike would say, with our final question. Yeah. Would you rather be hit with a car or with a fist? This is not the normal final question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, been hit with, I've been hit with both. So. Right. <laughs> which did you, which, which would you prefer? Which is a tough life, honestly. That tells you a lot. We could have just wrapped the episode yeah, up with yeah. that. He's been through a lot. But uh, no, so, so our, our real last question of the show. No, no, I do want to answer this. I want, because <laughs> okay. we didn't get the beginning. We want the fist or the car. Okay, you would go. rather get hit by a car 
because 90% of the time it's it's unintentional. If you get hit by a fist, 105% of the time that is intentional. <laughs> if you can, worse, hold on, time out. And if you get hit by an accidental fist, you have a lot deeper but problems. But that's, that's still like a really, really bad decision, I think, because even if it is accidental, the car is going to hurt a lot more. Uh, well, it's more about hurting me emotionally than physically. Okay, well. And there's a better chance you're probably going to pay out if you get hit by a car and survive. We do not recommend getting hit by cars Especially or fists. Especially if it's in front of the Phil here on the Comedy <laughs> Clothes podcast. But <laughs> I'd prefer neither. <laughs> right, yeah. Just, just, just avoid both. Yeah. And uh, I what think- What about if you get punched into a car? Like, okay, punch okay. the street. Well, I'm, I'm cutting it here. We're stopping with the car and Can the you fist. believe that I have humans to be the bad guy. have created culture? <laughs> that is amazing. I don't okay. know what's happening in this room. <laughs> we've gone, we've gone full way off topic, full circle, but good place for our last question of the show, Eric. It's centered go. around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. So without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it and how does it apply to your life and career? Well, I know that, you know, for me, it, it, it would be just taking advantage of the opportunities that, that always come. Uh, a long time ago, a, a buddy of mine in college, you know, turned to me, he was my roommate and he's like, you know, it was one of those nights where we're drinking, getting ready to go out, go, you know, go down high street and he'd be like, Eric. We're only on this train ride once. We can't miss our stops, you know. And and that that always stuck with me. That when people have given me opportunities to do things, uh, even though it may be uncomfortable or it may you, you don't even know anything about it, just just like Matrix Meets, I, I I've always kept my mind open. And I think too many people build this dream in, uh, in their head of how their life is supposed to be. And then when it doesn't happen that way exactly, they, they get upset about it instead of enjoying the journey. So for me, it's, it's more about enjoy, enjoying the whole journey and going where life is taking you, not trying to force it. I like it. I like it. When <laughs> we're only on this train once, so we can't miss our stops. I like it. And it's funny that usually you get the best one-liners when someone's drunk. <laughs> But uh, Eric, it's been great talking to you. We really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and talk about Matrix Meets here on the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you all. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and uh, everybody out there listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate all your support. And if you like that interview, you want to hear more interviews just like it with uh, people just like Eric, folks that are leading in their respective industries here in Columbus, then hit that subscribe button down below, whatever podcast app you're listening on. And again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Oh.